Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company Podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
A teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to another episode of Special Education Advocacy with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow, and I'm so happy you're here. Here we are again, friends. You're in my basement. If you watch on YouTube, you're probably getting used to this background. You know, it's kind of like we're a traveling show. And I'll tell you what I tell my friends in my practice, my clients. I say, I have no choice but to work with people that have children that have disabilities because you are the only people that would tolerate me. <laughs> you know, nothing's really quite perfect at the Barlow household and nothing's quite perfect in the lives of people that are parenting children with disabilities. And so you get it. You don't even question why I'm in my basement and honestly, I don't know why I'm here either. Um, the house is a little chaotic. It's a little loud up there. And I had a moment and I thought I'm going to pop down and do a podcast really quickly. And so here we are. We're in the basement. It's better than not being together at all. So get yourself a cozy spot and we're going to dive in today. We're going to talk about IEPs and we're going to talk about the document itself. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through the parts of the IEP, um, but you're going to get the parts of the IEP, which is kind of a boring topic that you've probably um, gone to talks about and you've probably heard about, but we're going to do it for two reasons. The first reason is because we haven't ever done it here on the podcast. We haven't ever talked about the parts of the IEP, and obviously that's important. Um, but the other reason is because I like to talk about the parts of the IEP with a little Ashley Barlow Company spin. I like to talk about the parts of the IEP um, as they relate to one another. And I actually did a podcast a little bit ago that really kind of went into that relation that really kind of talked about how the different parts interact and um, how to get more out of the IEP by following the document in order. But I thought, you know what, we should probably go a, a, with a wider lens and just talk about the parts of the IEP. A, because it's basic and B, because I put a different spin onto it. So let's start by talking about the purpose of IDEA. The purpose of the federal law, the individual's with Disabilities Education Act. So I'm gonna read the quote to you. It says the purpose of this law is to ensure that all children with disabilities have available to them a free appropriate public education. We call that a FAPE, a free appropriate public education that emphasizes special education and related services. So special education is that specially designed instruction. And related services are the other things that the child might qualify for. OT, PT, speech, music therapy, orientation and mobility, those things. And the special education and the related services are designed to meet 
their unique needs. We're meeting the unique needs of the children and to prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living. Now, I could do an entire podcast on the purpose of the law because holy cow, we get some really good nuggets of information in there, right? We get the idea of a FAPE, appropriate education. And the FAPE has to emphasize special education. It has to emphasize related services. And those services in that education has to be specially designed to meet the unique needs of the child and also to prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living. Holy cow, that is a really high burden and the burden is on the school district. That is really, really exciting stuff. That's what our children are entitled to. That is what they get. And so I'm gonna come back to this purpose as I'm advocating for children day in and day out in my law practice. And that is a huge tip for you. Go back and look at the purpose of the law. Is this education appropriate? Is this education specially designed? Is it supposed to meet the unique needs of this child at this table, at this school? And are we always looking to further the education, employment, and independent living of the child? Is that our ultimate goal here? Friends, if you haven't thought about writing a future planning statement, now you understand why I'm always preaching about future planning statements. The future is part of the purpose of the law, for heaven's sakes. That's exciting stuff. And that's before we even talk about the IEP document, right? This is just the purpose of the law, the law that creates the IEP document. It says that we have to think about the future. Let's look at what the IEP itself is. So the IEP, according to the law, here's the quote, is a written statement for each child, for each child with a disability that is developed, reviewed, and revised in accordance with the rest of the law. So it's simply a written statement that is developed, reviewed, and revised. And it has these certain parts. And so we're gonna go through the parts. The first part is the present levels of performance. Now, when you get to the present levels of performance, there are a couple of keys. My big thing, my like huge thing is, so what we do in special education is we look at um, the child, the profile of the child. And I've said this a thousand times here on the podcast, but I don't care if a child has Down syndrome or Turner syndrome or autism or ADHD, or if they are developmentally delayed. I don't care about that. I ask parents, what do you think your child's primary diagnosis is? That's almost always how I do it. And the reason I ask that is because for me, I probably might say that Jack's primary diagnosis is honestly ADHD. I think Jack is far more um, affected by his by the by the effects of ADHD, affected by the effects of ADHD than he is by the cognitive impairment and the motor um, deficits that he has that are secondary to Down syndrome, because his behavior is what really gets in the way of his learning. 
right? And so, and I would answer that question, Down syndrome. But if I really think about it, vis-a-vis -vis school and vis-a-vis -vis his integration into the community, I don't think his cognitive impairment gets in the way of his integration into the community all that significantly right now. And I don't think his motor delays do either, but I really think his behavior does, his impulsivity does. And so when I look at present levels, I don't really, I mean, the diagnosis, don't get me wrong, is super important to put in there. The medical stuff is super important to put in there. But I, what I really wanna know is I really wanna know about a child's profile. I really wanna know what all of the testing has done. Because how silly is it that, and you're probably gonna look at your IEP now and think, oh my gosh, that's so crazy, why is it not in there? How silly is it that we do all of the testing for eligibility? And we do all of the testing every three years. Or we might even do testing because we're considering assistive technology or because we have um, some kind of like maturity boom or because we're really struggling with a particular area like math or something. So we're like, let's do a math assessment. And we have all this information and then it doesn't go into present levels. I don't understand. I don't understand why you wouldn't put that in present levels of performance. So I like in present levels, I like a description of the profile. I want standardized information. I want what you do in those evaluations. I want the IQ score. I want the relative strengths and the relative weaknesses. I want um, the adaptive behavior scores. I want the functional skill inventories. I want all of that stuff in there. And then I also want some curriculum-based stuff. You know, that kindergarten report card that gives you um, how many- Sorry, could oh. you say that again? Oh my gosh. Sorry. You know, we probably won't edit that out. Siri just heard me say something and she was talking and we're friends here and so sorry that Siri heard us. Okay, so the kindergarten report card. The kindergarten report card that says like, you know, he knows 20 out of 26 letters and he can rote count to 15 and that kind of stuff. That report card insert is the kind of stuff that you want in present levels. So it's not gonna be kindergarten for 13 or 15 years of general education work or for special education work, but where are we in different curricula? curricula? Where are we in reading? Where are we in math? Where are we kind of observationally with social skills and functional skills and, and those transition skills that we need for older students? I want that in there. And then anything that is medical should go in as well. So I kind of want everything, the whole gamut of the child's profile in there. And why? Because the purpose of the law is to provide an, a, an appropriate education that is uniquely, uniquely tailored to that child. And so it's really important that we know the child before we uniquely tailor an education to the child. And so sometimes I'll just highlight parts of the report and say, I really think this should go in present levels. I don't care if it's copied and pasted, that's great. I don't care how long it is, that's fine. Sure, you can figure out how to put a chart in there. You know, all of the, all of the excuses, all of the reasons, I want all of that stuff in the present levels.
Okay, so remember, the purpose of, of the law, though the purpose of IDEA we just read, but really kind of what special education do? Special education addresses a child's needs. We, we develop an appropriate education. And what we're trying to do, because we have an obligation to help the child make measurable progress. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to capitalize on the child's strengths. And so if you take kind of the bottom, um, you know, one of your hands and you cup it and you make it the bottom as if you're trying to cup some water, like when you brush your teeth, you, um, you scoop up some water and, and you put it in your mouth. So we're cupping the child's needs and then the, the other half, now your other hand's gonna come and it's gonna be a clamshell. And we're addressing their needs by capitalizing on their strengths, right? And so in those present levels, we need to identify needs and we need to identify strengths. And then the next thing we're gonna do is we're going to make measurable annual goals. Now, I talked about goals a couple of episodes ago, and we aren't going to talk about how to write a goal in today's podcast. We aren't gonna really talk about the goals themselves. Rather, what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about goals as part of the IEP, right? Because we just identified all the needs and we addressed the child's strengths and we addressed some areas of relative weakness in the child's profile. You know, maybe the child has slow processing speed, poor working memory, and um, some academic deficits in written expression, or some academic deficits in reading, or reading comprehension, or math. And so what do those things tell us about that child? Well, it probably tells us that the child has a specific learning disability in written expression, or in reading, or in math, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, something like that. But it also tells us what kind of curriculum that child might benefit from because we aren't going to use a curriculum that really capitalizes on the child's um, visual profile if the child does not have strong visual processing skills, right? And so we're writing goals that address the needs that we identified in the present levels and then we are going to develop specially designed instruction that helps to make the child make progress toward those goals. So we have the, the need addressed and we have the areas of relative strength addressed and we write goals and say, okay, well, here's what we're gonna work on and here's how we're gonna do it. Now, one thing when I talk about goals kind of in the IEP that I always say is this, you probably don't want to work on every single need that is identified in the present levels. Because I mean, we could work on goals forever. I went to 19th grade and I could have 17,000 goals. There's an infinite amount of goals that any one human can have. And so the present levels could go on and on and on and on again into infinity about a child's profile. We don't want that. We have to be reasonable. And really what we're looking at is we're looking at things that will help the child to make particular progress in, in areas that are um, prioritized by the entire team, right? Because like we don't need to, to say, well, the child can't do trigonometry. <laughs> Yet, we aren't going to write a goal for everything that we can't do. That's ridiculous. 
But what I like to say to people, like what can we do? We are writing goals that help us to make kind of the next step of progress. You know, maybe we need to look at the, um, the state curriculum for the grade level that the child is in or the grade level at which the child is performing. And we need to look at the next skills, what skills still exist. Maybe we need to look at a skill that we just mastered and kind of think about what it, it was a building block for. Well, if we can do this, then what else can we do? What's the next step to that? And so when we're writing goals, we really are trying to up the ante. We are trying to um, improve on skills that we've already um, mastered. And those goals are supposed to continue to change, they are continuing to be ambitious, appropriately ambitious. That is a phrase that we learned in the Andrew F case, the recent Supreme Court case. And so the goals are supposed to be ambitious. They're supposed to continue along. Okay, so we have these goals. And then from the goals, we get special education and related services. So I alluded to this a minute ago. We identify the need, we identify the strengths and weaknesses. We write the goals and say, this is what we want to work on in special education. Now we're gonna keep working on other stuff in general education, but this is what we're going to work on in special education. Now, aha, how are we going to do it? The how is the next session section the special education and related services. How are we going to teach to those goals? What services do you get? And oftentimes we also talk about where those services are, which is the least restrictive environment. And we wanna really like focus in right here on least restrictive environment, but guess what? That's not happening yet. Right now, we are just talking in the order of the IEP, we are just talking about the special education and related services. And so yes, now it's starting to make sense because we identified the needs and the strengths and weaknesses and we wrote goals from those. And now we have to talk about how we're going to get that what we're going to get, how we're going to teach it, what curricula we're going to use, what teaching strategies we're going to use. Are we gonna do direct instruction? What's that look like? Are we going to um, do it um, as a collaborative case, a collaborative instruction, or are we going to do it as a pull out in a resource type room or a special education room? Or are we going to push it into the general education classroom? What do those service minutes look like? And really, what are we doing? The special education, friends, this, the specially designed instruction, that is the heart of the IEP. That is the meat. We are getting instruction that is specially designed to help us meet those goals. Now, when we talked about goals, we didn't talk about writing goals so that you get certain kinds of specially designed instruction, right? Like if you have dyslexia and you say, well, we're, let's take a year off of phonological processing and let's really just work on reading comprehension. What's that do to the service? 
What's that do to the special education program? Does Orton Gillingham, maybe you've got a kid that's had Orton Gillingham for four years and they're making great progress. And you say, well, I wanna take a year off and I just wanna work on reading comprehension. Well, guess what you better be looking at? Does Orton Gillingham address reading comprehension? Because if it doesn't, you just lost your Orton Gillingham instruction because you said, sure, that's okay. We can take a year off of, um, of working on phonological processing. Sure, seems like the next step would be to work on comprehension and then you lose the service. And so it's really, really, really crackadilly important that you understand as you are going through the document how the different things build upon one another. And so you can write a goal that can make or break what the specially designed instruction looks like. You also can write too many goals and then you've got too many programs. You know, if the teacher is doing the, the programming with fidelity, they have to give a certain number of service minutes in order to implement a program with fidelity. Might be a reading program, might be a math program, might be a behavior program, but those programs say, you know, if you want to, um, if you want to get the proven results from this curriculum, then you have to teach it to a second grade student for 30 minutes, three times a week. Well, if you do one of those things that's 30 minutes, three times a week, and then you also add something that's 30 minutes, four times a week, well, my heavens, now you've got over an hour a day just for those two goals. And so sometimes we can write goals that increase service minutes on purpose, and sometimes we, write goals that will decrease service minutes intentionally. And so we're building in the IEP, we're using the interplay between the sections of the IEP in order to get more or less services, in order to get certain specific curriculum, certain specific pieces of the special education and the related services. Now remember, the related services are the other things, the PT, the OT, the speech, the music therapy, the orientation and mobility, those things. So the same thing applies. We're writing goals for PT, and then we're getting our related services. We're talking about what we're going to get in PT. And don't forget that those people can co-treat and those people can help with other goals. If you've got turn-taking and a child goes to physical therapy with two or three other children, well, my goodness, that's a great place to also work on turn-taking. And if you have a, a related service professional that's worth their weight, they're also going to be working on some of the academic skills and the other behavioral skills and those kinds of things because they may as well be working while they are also doing the therapeutic interventions with the child. Okay, so we have the present levels, and then we have the goals, and then we have the special education and related services, and then we get to least restrictive environment. Then we're gonna talk about placement. And friends, this makes so much sense, but so many people's inclination is to be like, where are we gonna be? Where are we gonna do this? 
What people think about special education and they're like, oh, that's that room down there. Now don't forget, special education is a service. It is not a place. So special education isn't the room at the end of the hall and it isn't um, the teacher that comes into the classroom and it isn't the coffee shop at the high school. That's not special education. Special education is specially designed instruction. And so when we talk about the least restrictive environment, we aren't talking about the location. We're talking about the placement where the services are going to be delivered. And we know that the obligation is to educate the child in the least restrictive environment as possible. And so what we're doing is we're looking to see where we're going to teach those goals, where we're going to implement that specially designed instruction. And now you see how things play again, because what if we have specially designed instruction that can't be delivered in a gen ed classroom? What if we have specially designed instruction that can only be delivered in a general education classroom? You see how writing a goal that requires specific, very um, uniquely tailored special education services can then drive the placement. Because if it can only be delivered in the in a small setting or one-on-one, -on -one, well then it can't be done in gen ed. And if it can only be done with multiple people, then it can only be done in gen ed. And if we have so many things that have to be done outside of the classroom because we've written a thousand goals, well then we're going to have more service minutes in a pullout setting and less inclusive or collaborative minutes, we're going to have a less inclusive IEP because we've written too many goals. And is that appropriate or is that not appropriate? That's what you have to determine. So what we're doing is we're talking about where the service minutes are going to be delivered. And it might be more restrictive, it might be less restrictive, but we can start with those present levels if we want, and there, this is what we talked about in a prior podcast, if we want more um, special education service minutes, we are going to identify way more needs in present levels. And then those needs are going to be addressed in individual goals. And those goals are going to have specially designed instruction. And all of that is then gonna say, well, we couldn't possibly do that in, a general education classroom for this many minutes, we need more time, and so we need to pull out of gen ed more often. And of course, the opposite is true as well. So that is least restrictive environment is part of the IEP. You aren't used to hearing me talk that way because you're used to hearing me talk about um, the inclusion so often, but that's what that is um, how it plays, that's the interplay of least restrictive environment as it relates to the parts of the IEP. So then we talk about alternate assessment. What's alternate assessment? Alternate assessment is available for children that um, are, to whom state testing is not available. So, most states require um, schools to do testing. They require 
um, schools to do testing for two reasons. A, to keep them accountable to their um, state so that you know, you know how well schools are doing and also so that they know how their children are doing from year to year. And so it's just kind of good statistical information for the Department of Ed and for the schools. And for some students, that is simply not um, available. It isn't accessible to them for whatever reason. And so they are, um, a, they have the option of participating in alternate assessment, which allows you to do state testing in some way. Some states have their um, statewide test that has been modified to meet needs of um, children with certain profiles, and that is certainly available to children in those states. Um, and sometimes you can do something even um, different from the state test altogether. So you might be able to submit just IEP data. You might be able to submit some kind of portfolio or project or something like that for the child. Um, and of course that varies state to state. And another thing that varies state to state is whether or not being on alternate assessment affects your graduation criteria. So in some states, if you go on alternate assessment, you can't get um, a regular diploma. And in some states, you can be on alternate assessment and, and get a diploma. So that's something that matters. Now, how does this all kind of interplay? Well, one of the things that alternate assessment does um, or one of the things that we look at when we look at assessment in general is we look at the um, accommodations that are going to be available to the child. And um, if they are in the IEP, most states, I think, it, you can't get an accommodation on your state test unless you have those accommodations in the IEP. And so you wanna make sure, especially if you're looking for alternate assessment, that you have all of the accommodations that you're gonna need on the testing, specifically in the IEP, because then it's kind of justified for the state testing as well. So that is the um, part of the IEP where we talk about alternate assessment. And then we have transition services, and of course transition services are also kind of a whole beast in and of themselves, but transition services um, talk about what we, how we plan for a child's future. And when we talk about the child's future, we're talking about the transition to adulthood, of course, and we're talking, don't forget, we go back to the purpose of the law, future education, employment, and independent living. And so when we talk about transition services, don't forget, we should start the exact same way. We should start at present levels. If we don't have good evaluation data, we need to go get it. If we don't have good information from the child, we need to go get it. We have to fill present levels of performance with lots and lots and lots of information about transition. Now the transition age varies from state to state. I know there are a lot of states that start the transition um, work at the age of 14. In some states it's 16. There's probably some states where it's even 15. So it's important to know what your state 
um, when your state says that you need to start working on a transition plan. And um, traditionally, <laughs> usually when a child is transitioning to adulthood, then the child starts to get invited to the IEP meetings. And sometimes you might only want them there for certain parts. Sometimes it's really important for them to be there the entire time. But when we look at the transition plan, we are doing the same thing start to finish. So we're identifying the needs and we're and the strengths and the weaknesses and the present levels. We're writing goals from those. We're developing the special education services and the related services um, that help us to meet those goals. And we walk all the way through the document like that. So we have the transition, and there's so much to talk about with transition, but that's how transition relates to the IEP document as well. And then at the end of the IEP, there usually, and most states will have some kind of prior written notice available. So whether it's meeting minutes or a conference summary, um, they might call it a prior written notice, something like that. But most states will include um, some kind of summary that might not be part of the IEP document, but is usually delivered with the IEP. And that is a super important piece to the IEP process, even though it isn't part of the document, because of course, um, certain decisions that are made by the IEP team have to be documented, um, it, particularly when you need prior written notice, which is a parent right. So that is the parts of the IEP from a different lens, the parts of the IEP as they interplay with one another. So friends, I will um, see you next week, next Tuesday, same time, same place. I hope you have a great week.